This is the Courtside Connect, your go-to podcast for all things Kentucky basketball and Kentucky basketball's quickest game review podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sack. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Scott Clark. Scott, how are you doing this fine afternoon? I am doing so well. That game was so fun. I'm so proud of these guys. Absolutely joy of a Saturday. How about you, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't be doing much better myself. Um, We're here to break down the 90-81 to 81 win over Alabama without star point guard Ty Ty Washington, without our other starting point guard, Xavier Wheeler. Um, Jacob Toppin basically had to play the whole game at the three. Kellen Grady and Davion Mintz traded off at the one and the two. Looked like an old-school Calipari lineup thrown with three bigs, you know, the, the ones that haven't worked traditionally in the past year and a half to two years. Um, but it clicked tonight, and this team absolutely just – played their asses off. I mean, they just grinded away a win, which they probably shouldn't have won. I mean, Alabama's a great team, and I get we were at home, but, I mean, to win the way that we did, especially the threes they were hitting early, it was just absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, I The fact that they started out, like, what was it, 8 for 11 from three, yep. and then our guys were so, so locked in. They didn't let it phase them. They weathered the storm. They they kept playing, and when all the adversity was against them, they kept pushing, they kept pushing, kept chipping away at that lead, and then at the end of the first half, Kellen with that three. I think that was my favorite moment ever. I've heard Rupp that loud. I'm not even kidding. When Kellen Grady hit that three, that was the loudest I've ever heard Rupp. The crowd was really awesome. Um, overall, just so proud of them. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to dig deeper in this game, but first, a word from our good friends over at Blue Chips. Big Blue Nation, now is your chance to own a piece of Kentucky basketball history. Kentucky basketball is partnered with Blue Chips to be the official and exclusive home for Kentucky basketball NFTs. All season long, Blue Chips will be dropping unique digital collectibles of your favorite players and the most legendary coach in college basketball. Collect player cards, snag limited edition collectibles of big moments, get access to exclusive events, and win prizes. Join the Blue Chips Discord, the online community, for diehard BBN fans to talk hoops and get closer than ever to the Cats. Don't miss out. Visit ukbluechips.io now and get your piece of Kentucky basketball history. Also, shout out the new Sovereign Wheeler gold NFT that they had dropped. But anyways, going back into the game, I mean, you you brought up how this team just fought, and it, it was kind of incredible. It was like just every big three that Alabama hit in like the first half, I mean – Every time it seemed like we started to sneak our way back in, we got, like, Alabama just hit us right back, you know? They, they didn't waste any time. They had a three. And that, that can deflate a team so much. I mean, they were up 13 at one point. It was 41 to 28. Kellen Grady comes in and hits a three. Uh, Davion Mintz makes a free throw. That puts it within 10. Jaden Shackelford has, like, a flop, like, Trey Young-type, like, three-point shot that he threw up that he had no intention of actually making and he gets free three throws out of it like how deflating is that you know and then and then we bring it back into single digits um we got it to eight 
I think we actually got it to six at one point. And, and then again, they had, they had another big three, but our team kept scrapping and clawing away and they just kept fighting. That, that was my biggest takeaway from the game. I mean, they just played their asses off from start to finish and never quit. Yeah, I mean, like like I, you referenced and how I referenced earlier, I think this is the most impressive win just based off the fight alone. Like these guys, they just, they kept pushing and they kept pushing, they kept pushing when they had every reason not to. I mean, Alabama made every single shot, it seemed like. I mean, it, it was practically every single shot. And, um, you know, it, it would have been easy to get discouraged, but I think they knew that, all right, like this is it. Like at the end, like when it was the 13-point lead, like we either – start playing well right now, or this is going to be a long day. And I think, you know, that Kellen Grady three kind of set it off to, to get it going. And then, you know, everything kind of just came after that. Everyone played really well. And the Cassie was really, really, really good. Yeah. I mean, you brought up uh, the crowd at Rupp Arena. I mean, it was, might've been the loudest I've ever heard it. I Obviously it's hard to remember stuff like this, but I mean, the only thing I could compare it to was the, uh, Ashton Hagen's dunk in overtime against Louisville. Um, what was yeah. it three, two years ago now? So, I mean, when we were playing Louisville, it was probably our biggest rival when we get a breakaway dunk to steal the game and then everyone's throwing L's down. That, that's the closest I've ever heard. But, I mean, this was right there with it. And on this podcast, we, both you and I, we, we keep BBN accountable sometimes. Like, when we see some BS, we, we call it out, you know, whether it's talk about Shane Sharp mm-hmm. or Dante Allen or just, whatever nonsense you know the, the loud minority that we see or but I also want to give credit when it's due I mean I don't think our team wins tonight if BBN doesn't step up in Rupp Arena and we don't I mean again it was so loud I mean Alabama just kept having turnover at their turnover at their bad shot they yeah. can't get anything to go I mean I again a lot of the, all the credit to the players but I mean BBN what y'all did today it was super impressive for real, it was awesome. It really was awesome. It was an awesome atmosphere. And it should be like that every single game. So I hope that we take what, as fans, take what happened today and continue to move it on. Because especially this home stretch of the season, it's important that the team, they're, the guys are probably tired, fatigued a little bit, that they know that we have our backs and give them that extra energy. Yeah. Um. So today, talking about fatigue, I mean, this seemed to be a game where we kind of almost want to be completely healthy. You know, we want to give – um some rest to guys like Ty Ty and Savir who, you know, we've seen the past couple games. They probably could have gone. They probably could have fight. Maybe they couldn't. I don't know the status, but we want to make sure they're hundred percent, not playing 80%. We don't want to see any lingering injuries, but kind of ironically that led to five guys all having to play at least 36 minutes. I mean, Collins, Hopkins, Ware and Dante, they, they all saw a little off the bench. But I mean, Jacob Toppin played 40 minutes, did not come out once. Cullen Grady played 39 minutes. Davion Mintz played 39 minutes. Dante Allen took like a minute from them each. And then that that's all they got. Keon Brooks played 37. Oscar Shibway played 36. And Jacob Toppin, he played the whole game. He also played it out of position. You know, he didn't play the four. He played the three. And he played phenomenally. I mean, just how incredible was it that we had the guys step up just all game? I mean, Mintz needed to do what he did. Toppin needed to do what he did. Gray needed to do what he did. And they all stepped up and did exactly what they had to do for this given game. It's it's so impressive. Especially, I didn't even realize Toppin played literally the whole game. That's insane. Um, 13 points, six rebounds. He was really, really good. Uh, you know, Oscar Oscar performed very well. He, he was nine for 13. Obviously, seemed like he missed more shots. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm being stupid there. I don't know. 
Keon was like everyone played so well. Like, I know Davion didn't shoot the ball well, but he had clutch shots and he ran the offense pretty well. So, you know, I hope those guys they get all the rest of the night. Um, knowing our team, they'll definitely be out in the bars, but they hopefully <laughs> they should get some rest. Um, but you know, we it is very important that severe and tie tie come back. But the fact that we were able to perform this well with those five guys, it brings me so much confidence for for where this team can be in March. Yeah, so Ty Ty Washington and Saber Wheeler, they're not only two of, like, the top SEC, like, assist men, they're also two of the top, like, assist-to-turnover ratio guys. I mean, super efficient. And to have both of them out of the game and put basically shooting yards in that point guard, our team only had seven turnovers tonight, and we scored 90 points. I mean, obviously just we don't want this moving forward, but, I mean, what did you see, like, Mintz and Grady do so well, particularly tonight, that allowed that success? Um, I mean, Davion had zero turnovers and Kellen only had two. And that's kind of the big, like, issue with when you have a guy that's playing point guard who isn't a point guard, traditional point guard, you're, you're worried about the turnovers. And they made the right passes all the time. And I think another wrinkle without severe playing, like, this offense is better than with severe playing. And I think we would have put up 100 at severe play. Um, but – when Severe isn't in the game, it gives us a, another element in terms of shooting because, all right, well, now you got Kellen Grady shooting. Like, you have to move with him. You can't – it's different when he's just in the corner and you can face guard him, like, the whole game. You know what I mean? But when he has the ball in his hands and he's running the offense, guys have to move with him, and it, it makes it a lot harder for the defense. So I think this game could really open up some wrinkles – or some, not some wrinkles, some um, ideas for Calipari – for if you know okay if we need Callen to run the point like we could we know how he is with it same thing with Davion so so proud of those yeah and we, we obviously did have a guy bring the ball up the court but I don't really feel like we had a true point guard today the guy that we ran our offense through I mean that man or up to you real quick go for it Florida would just be Auburn that is beautiful so, that is beautiful what go is Gators. it 63 to 62 yep that is Let's beautiful go. So, Sorry, Kentucky, we should be back on that one seed line. Auburn is frauds. They still have a good win all year. Yeah, but uh, anyways, I, I was talking about how we don't – we didn't really play with, like, a true point guard today. Like, usually Sabir Wheeler – like, usually as a team, we'll have, like, 15, 16 assists or something, and nine of them will be Sabir Wheelers, you know? Like, today we had 13 mm -hmm. assists. Three of them were from Toppin. Three of them were from Shibway. And three of them were from Grady. And then we had two from Keon and two from Mintz. So, I mean, all five of our starters had somewhere in between two and three assists. So, I mean, everyone was moving off the ball. Everyone was creating on the ball. It was just a great passing performance all around. And, again, have guys that usually don't have to play on the ball go have to go and make shots for themselves and um, go have to make plays for others and just to have so few turnovers. It, it's super impressive. Um, Kellen Grady, the, the biggest thing with him today, obviously we could talk for hours about how impressive his performance was, but – 9 of 16 from the field, 7 of 9 from 3, 25 points. He's now the fifth guy to have 25 or more points um, on our team this year. So, but anyways, the most impressive thing with me is, like, when it was kind of coming down the stretch, Alabama, like, actually hit a few shots. They got it back in the single digits. I think it was down to six at one point, our lead. And we're looking up, and there's still seven minutes left. And we're like, all right, this is kind of getting too close for comfort. It felt like we were blowing them out. But, I mean, if we don't come up with a big shot here, I mean – Alabama could be right back into this game. It could be a one possession game. And we go to Kellen Grady and he made the big shot. And that that's kind of the 
our probably our biggest weakness this year is what I see is like when we get in these scoring droughts where we just can't get anything going and we're in our half court offense, like who goes and creates a shot for themselves? Who goes and gets a bucket? And Kellen Grady was that guy to, guy today. And I, I know we were both kind of critical of Kellen Grady last game against Tennessee, probably at his worst game of the season. So for him to follow back for his best game of the season, just hit all the big shots and all the right moments. It was absolutely amazing for him. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people forget it. I mean, I don't know if a lot of people forget, but we got to think about that. Kellen at Davidson, that this is what he did. Like he was off the dribble, scoring mid-range, ISO. Like the guy can do it. He just doesn't do it a lot here because everyone has their own role and he knows his role. But I, I genuinely would like to see Kellen do more ISO scoring because he's really good. He's got a nice touch around the rim. And he, he was nine for 16. So, and then he was seven for nine from three. So only hit two shots that were, you know, inside the three-point arc, but when when teams sell out that much for him to stop the three, it's easy for him to blow by and get into the paint and penetrate because, you know, guys will bite on his pump fake or something like that. So all in all, like with, with Grady, I would love to see him do more of what he did today. Yeah, and the thing with Grady, he's not like overly like athletic, you know, because he doesn't have great top end speed. I guess that's what I want to say. You know, he's not jump out of the gym, but he does have a really quick first step. He also has really good size for a guard. So if you put a slower defender on him, he, I feel like he could put a really good jab step on and either blow by you with a quick first step or pull up from like a step back three or a side step three or mid-range jump or whatever because you have to like turn your whole body to cover him. And if you have put a quicker defender on him that's maybe a little bit shorter, he can shoot over the top. Like he's kind of like that unique blend that we really haven't seen at like Kentucky for a minute. So I mean, we usually have, like, our, our bigs that go down lower. We have our guards that go play out on the perimeter. It was a bunch of 6'3 guys. So, I mean, I mean, have a guy like Kellen Grady that's almost like Devin Booker's build. I mean, that, that's something we haven't seen here in a minute. So, I, I was super impressed over him tonight. I mean, um, moving down, I mean, Jacob Toppin, that's probably who I was second most impressed with tonight, which is really saying, like, there's a lot of great performances. But, I mean, again, to play the whole game, from the score 13 points, um, six rebounds as well, two of them offensive, three assists, didn't turn the ball over, even made a three. I, I think it might have been a bank three if I'm remembering, kind of a fluke three. It was, yeah. Kind of, what, what did you see from him today? I was super impressed by him. He was, he was really aggressive on the offensive end. And a lot of times, my issue, I don't have an issue with Jacob Toppin, but like my one gripe is that he's very passive when he gets the ball and he's not aggressive enough. He's quick, he's athletic, and he's got hella size. Like, that dude can get to the rim whenever he wants, and he kind of chooses not to. But today, he he got to the rim with ease, and when he got to the rim, he either passed or he shot it. Or, yeah, either passed or he shot it. And he had a lot of, you know, he would drive by his defender, kick it out, boom, three, or he would just finish it. And I I really would love to see – because if Topping could be more of a sh uh, scoring option, then this team's offense – this team's offensive capability is – is out the, is through the roof. So he was he was real. This is probably his best game in a uh, Kentucky uniform. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, his scoring has kind of been crazy. I mean, he only played six minutes against South Carolina, but dating back to that game, that's now three straight games and double-digit scoring for him. He had 10 points in six minutes on four or five shooting at South Carolina. He had 11 points on five of nine shooting at Tennessee and was really our only good performer of that game, to be honest, that there wasn't a lot of whole, yeah. whole lot of great performances that day. 
And of course, tonight, again, five of nine shooting for 13 points, hit a three, knocked down a pair of free throws as well. Um, and scoring is not what you look from from Toppin. You know, you look for defense, you look for hustle, um, you know, like the Lance Ware stuff that you like to see from him, the the extra athleticism and rebounding, defensive versatility. That's what you really look from from Jacob Toppin. So when he goes out there and in three straight games provides you 10, 11, and 13 points, that just adds a whole another dimension to this team, in my opinion. Um, another guy, like again, like Keon Brooks, like we we want him kind of being that glue guy, that veteran at the four. A really sneaky performance for him tonight. Like he was seven of twelve uh, right. for eighteen points and eight boards. I mean, Keon Brooks, when he usually puts up eighteen, eight and two, had two steals and two blocks as well. Really well-rounded game and put up a bunch of points. I mean. Really went unnoticed with all the other stuff that was going on. But what, just what did you see from Keon Brooks today? I, I got to say something. Why does BBN Twitter hate Keon so much? Like, there's a couple guys. I'm not going to say their names, but, like, we both know them. Um, or I think it's just one singular guy. But he, he was like, oh, we have to take Brooks off the floor right now. And I think they only hate him because whenever he misses a shot, it's because it's, like, a long two, and I get it. But the dude, like, can consistently is giving you at least like seven, 10 points a game. I don't, I, I, I don't get it. Like he was so good today. Keon Brooks was insanely good today. He had that clutch offensive rebound off the free throw uh, at the end of the game. Remember that? Cause me, because you and I both were like, that's huge. That's huge. And then yeah. he had, you know, he was seven for 12. He had the mid range work and he, he was bullying Noah Gurley a little bit down low in the first half. He, he gives you buckets when you need them. He gives you pretty timely buckets. The eight rebounds with Oscar next to him, that's really good. And then his defense the last, like, three, four games, I think he's notched, like, at least a steal in all of his last four games. I think I think there might be two, two steals in the last four games. He's been so good defensively, and that's apparently been a knock on him, which statistically is – I know everyone thinks that he's a, a soft defender – but the stats show otherwise, whether it be like analytic, like sabermetrics or just bare bones stats of steals and blocks. Like the kid, he held, he held his own like he always does. And he was a really, really good player for us today. Yeah, I think the big thing with Keon um, is people, I guess, expected a sophomore P.J. Washington jump, you know, or yeah. <laughs> a junior year Nick Richards jump, a sophomore IQ jump, you know, because he's been with the team for a minute now and um obviously one of the teams w was really historically awful and he had the he had his freshman year which he had some growths and he started peaking at the end and sophomore year he started showing a lot of flashes obviously but again the team just wasn't good he didn't have a lot of good pieces around him and then you have this year like this is supposed to be the year that he's supposed to break out but just because he's not like scoring 20 points a game or just because he's not an all-american like he, he's playing his role perfectly he does right. exactly what the team needs to do sometimes like this he steps team is out. stacked <laughs> yeah. Some, yeah sometimes he steps out and he takes a bad shot when he shouldn't have and i think that upsets people but i mean for him to space the floor out to 18 feet i get i get it it's not a three but he still spaces the floor with 18 19 feet that creates room for our guards he still rebounds great you know i mean oscar takes a lot of the rebounds but Keon Brooks has a large majority of the remaining rebounds for, for that are left that Oscar doesn't get. I mean, he passes well out of the four spot. He knocked down a three today. I would love to see him take more, especially if he's wide open, not do that one mm -hmm. dribble pull up inside the line. Um, but I mean, he just does a lot of things well. And 
I again I kind of see where like the hate comes from. Not I don't understand where the hate comes from. I see where a little bit of the disappointment comes from, just because again, he's not he didn't take a huge PJ Washington level step, but I mean we really didn't need him to. I mean, if this team was worse, if this team if Oscar wasn't as good and we needed Keon to, maybe he would be. But I mean, I think he is playing the perfect complementary role for this year's basketball team. And Jacob Toppin as well. Yeah, if Keon was like the first or second option that Oscar currently is right now, or Kellen or whoever, Ty Ty, I think he'd, because right now he's averaging 11 a game. If he was the first or second option, I'd say he'd be at like 13, 14. And I, I don't, I think that's actually generous. Like they're kind of low. I think he could average more than that. He just, he's the fourth to fifth option on a really good team with the national player of, of the year right next to him. I don't know what like people expect. Like when when PJ was having his year, did you see Reed Travis go for 18 a game? No. We don't know why, because he wasn't the first option. Same thing with Keon. Keon's averaging practically the same stat line that Reed did. You know what I'm saying? So uh, he's filling his role. And we we I think BBN, if you don't love Reed Travis, then I don't I don't know what you gotta do. But like we should we should show more appreciation for what Keon Brooks Jr has done this year and when he he has not gotten his flowers and it's time as as a fan base as a whole to, to start giving him his credit where it's due yeah uh, the Keon Brooks play that you brought up I mean just to go a little more into that so uh, uh, Alabama brought it all the way down to nine points single digits after I think we we're up like 15 or so and Oscar Shewa got fouled he goes to the free throw line hits one makes it a 10 point game Misses the second, and there's two minutes left. So, I mean, Alabama's kind of on a run. I mean, 10 points in two minutes is definitely doable, especially when you have all the momentum. Keon Brooks took that out, got the offensive rebound. Another 30 seconds was able to come off the clock, and it ended with an Oscar Shibway layup that put it at 12. So now instead of 10 with two minutes to go, you're up 12 with a minute and a half to go. That kind of put the game away. That That's a winning play, you know, that – Obviously, it shows up in the box score as one offensive rebound, but that was a play we needed to make to win. You know, those are the type of plays yep. that win championships. That's that's like the the Terrence Jones playing plays. You know, the the Darius Miller plays. You know, that your fourth or fifth guy that just go out and make winning plays for your team. That I, I can't say enough about Keon Brooks. I mean, again, he he put up a lot of points in a very quiet way, and he he did things off the box score that just help this team win games, but go and do the guy who we, we can't go an episode without talking about just because game after game, he puts up insane stats, Oscar Shibway, 21 points, 14 boards, three assists, a steal and a block. Um, I don't want to say he struggled the first time around against Alabama, but because I think he still put up stats. I think he put up like 10 points and 15 boards, maybe 15 and 10. He did with, struggle though. He struggled. I think it was, it's fair to say that he struggled. he struggled. He struggled by Oscar's standards, you know, like he struggled, shooting over the top of like their tall center. He kind of got beat in the pick and roll and Damian Collins had a breakout game. And I don't know if you saw, but I think we we're actually talking about it. Nate Oates said like, yeah, if you put size on Oscar, he's going to try too hard just to like shoot over the top. And you just really need to face up with him and you could kind of minimize him. So I'm guessing that word, I don't remember the exact quote I'm paraphrasing, but I'm guessing that word got to Oscar. Cause I mean, he absolutely showed up today. It looked like he was taking a persicle. He played, I think, about as physical as he has all year. I mean, in terms of just low post dominance. Would you agree with that? No, yeah, for sure. He looked like he wanted it. And I Cal in his press or no, yeah, his press conference uh either yesterday or Friday, he talked about how he wants Oscar 
to go back to the hungry guy that he was like where he's got a chip on his shoulder and I, that's also a paraphrase but it was something along those lines and um i think we saw that oscar today for sure and charles bediaco he gave oscar fits the first game and he bediaco was an absolute non-factor this game i on in terms of the defensive end oscar manhandled him he manhandled Gurley, um rojas any big you wanted to throw on him he he did have a couple turnovers that you know it's just oscar passing the ball at a double team he still kind of struggles but and besides that he was he was damn near perfect yeah, so the Nate Oates quote on Oscar Shibwe, I pulled it up. So the exact quote is, I do think he, he Oscar, has problems scoring over real length. He's going to get an angle. He's big, strong, physical. If he gets an angle, he's going to score. If you don't give him those angles and keep, if you, if you don't give him those angles and kind of keep length in front of him, then the problem is, can you box him out? He's great at getting his own misses as well. I think Charles will be ready to play him again. So basically saying, again, it's not really a shot, but I mean, it was kind of like a challenge. Like, yeah, this is our this is our game plan. This is how we plan on beating you. We're going to put sides right in front of you. We're going to cut off your angles. We're not going to let you go through us because you haven't done that. Like, just go and get your own misses, you know? Oscar Shiba didn't miss a whole lot tonight. I mean, especially during that comeback, the two biggest stretches of the game. There was one, the comeback. At the end of the first half, we went to Oscar a couple times. He was crucial. And the second big stretch was during Alabama's comeback attempt. Again, we, we have so many guys playing 35-plus minutes. Um, five guys all play 36 minutes or more. We could see the wheels were starting to not really come off, but they're starting to get tired. We're starting to get a little bit of fatigue. Alabama was making that comeback. We are able to go right back to Oscar, and he was able to get us a quick, quick couple buckets. He got a few huge rebounds as well and made some free throws down the stretch. I mean, just did all the things that we needed to do to win. And again, we, we talk about the insane stats, but I mean, he made winning plays all game for this team. Absolutely. He, he was just he was so good. And he's, he's national player of the year. And if you don't think so, then stop watching basketball. Absolutely. So um, kind of like in the, I don't know. This this kind of can be important. Some people don't seem to make it as important, especially since so much can still change. But the NCAA selection committee came out with their seedings today. Um, I guess like I think the top four seeds for each of the four regions, so this top sixteen teams. Um, then one seeds, I believe, in order were Gonzaga at one, Auburn is the second one seed, Arizona is the third one seed, and. Was it Kansas, Kansas as the fourth one seed? Baylor yes. snuck in as the top two seed. We were the sixth overall team, according to the NCAA selection committee, and firmly as a two seed. I guess, one, do you care about this at all, or is it completely irrelevant? Um, and two, do you feel like that's about right? I mean, it's it's obviously about right, but w- would you put us a spot uh, one or two ahead or one or two below? Well, I think – so, yeah, I don't get I – don't, I couldn't give a damn. Like – you know, there's so much that can change, and we've we've talked about seeding really doesn't matter. But I do like the bracket that we're in, though. If if the season we're in today, I really like our chances. Um, my only the thing with us being the six overall is that they had to put Baylor um, as the five seed because I think it's a rule where you can't have the top one and two seeds in a conference in the same bracket. I was reading, so I think that's why Baylor's at five because. They would um, Kansas would have to deal with, or what? 
actually never mind that uh, my brain is being stupid but I, I read some type of rule like that however the six seed like i'm sure when the rankings come out tomorrow or on monday um what we will be six i had to guess so i don't i don't really mind it at all yeah so the, the you are right i'm pretty sure the top two seeds in the conference or yeah, the top two yeah. seeds in a region can't be from the same conference, but I don't think they did it where like the four has to play the five. I think they numbered them one to 16 and then kind of just region them off from there. Yeah. So in Kentucky's region, even though they were six, they're still playing the lowest or the highest, no, the lowest one seed, which is Kansas. So Kansas was the one seed in that East region. Kentucky was the two seed. Villanova was three. And I'm pretty sure this tournament is being held this region, the, the lead eight in Sweet 16, is going to be in Philadelphia or somewhere in Pennsylvania. So that's a clear yes. advantage for Villanova if that were to happen right. um, as a three seed. And Wisconsin was the four. Uh, Baylor went to the south region to play Arizona. So that that is, that is the rule. But even though we're up with Kansas, technically they have us as the six team. So, that, again, that's kind of like where seeding really isn't too important, you know? Yeah. Like if we were to be fifth instead of sixth, we would still have the same matchup. And if we were to be fourth instead of sixth, we would still be playing Kansas. You know, we would just be the one, and they would be the two. I do have, so, I do have one great. I don't. Why is Kansas ahead of us? I mean, they do have what three losses, and we have five now. So I mean, it, it's fair. No, they have four. Oh, they have, I have no four, idea. And we beat them by twenty. I know had to had really, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like it doesn't mean much. But like, they've lost to Texas Tech. They've be they've beaten Texas Tech once. Lost to us, they beat Michigan State, who's decent, and they beat Iowa State, who sucks. And they got it on a fluke call. I mean, at home, yeah. was one of the biggest, what is it called, the fog? One of the biggest fog whistles of all time. Yeah, and then they beat Baylor. And then you look at us. We beat Kansas. Uh, who else did we beat? We beat Tennessee. We have beat Alabama twice. They're ranked. Um, who else did we beat? And we beat them on the road, too. I, yeah, I we think. beat them at – Kansas doesn't have good road wins. That's the one thing their tournament or their resume lacks, in my opinion. And like I said, I don't at the grand, I don't care. But I I do like to discuss like smart or see people be smart when it comes to basketball. And that, to me, that's just stupid. And you know, I saw Lunard like Lenardi put out his his seeds. I was like, okay, but why does Kansas go ahead of us? What criteria do they meet that's better than us? I think we're higher than them in. Let me look. Ken Palm, I think. I, I like, think the criteria was that going into Tuesday, we were the four, we had to beat them. We were the five, yeah. and then we had a loss. So even though, yeah, you could probably argue that our um, resume, just as is, might be better, the fact that they were already only one spot behind us and we had a loss, I mean, again, it, it's not a bad loss given the circumstances. And what is Tennessee, a top 15 program, and it was a road game? So, I mean, it's definitely not a bad loss by any measure, really but... That's, that's probably all it was, in my opinion. I wouldn't look too far into that. Oh, I will. I'm a little, no, I'm kidding. But you're right. It's, to me, it just doesn't make sense because we we're, we have them in every single metric, including head-to-head. So, but it is what it is. I don't really care. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Arizona and Gonzaga are both going to win out. Um, I think Auburn will win out into the SEC tournament. But honestly, I could see us jumping both Kansas and Auburn, especially with some big SEC tournament wins. We always, we usually see that the, what what's it called? The, um, the committee does not look at the SEC championship game because, I mean, you look at 2016 with the Euless year, we, we beat them in overtime. 
yet they gave the three seed to Texas A&M and we, we were stuck with a four seed and with a tough Indiana matchup. But um, I mean, if we play Auburn, both of us being probably borderline one seeds, you know, especially now that they've lost to Florida. I mean, we're probably both on that like four or five fringe line. Um, mm-hmm. They have to look at that championship game. And I, I do think we beat Auburn if we play them again. I mean, they had a one point win against Missouri, a two point win against Georgia. They've lost to Florida now. They lost to Arkansas now. They don't win on the road. They don't win outside of their own building. And no. I still feel like we would have beat them in their own building if we didn't have two injuries. The thing about they're just they're good, but I, they're the luckiest team in America. And I, I could look up. Let me go to Ken Palm. Let me see who's the luckiest team. Uh, Providence. But like in terms of like scheduling, though, because I think Ken Palm's luck metric ter- takes into uh, terms of like final score like how close it was and whatnot but the way that Auburn wins and the location of where they win and who they play and and you know the location of where they end up playing on the road like they don't play anyone it's 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 insane how the cards just fold in in their favor and everything like that like I mean I I saw someone tweet out I think it was a it might have been like Danny Davis he tweeted out how we've played or no, it was Alex Weber from KSR. Yep. He, uh, yeah, he tweeted out how like we play like half the the top half the SEC all on the road, and then the bottom half like once. And then Auburn, you look at Auburn, it's just like they they do go to Tennessee, and I do think Tennessee wins that game because I think Auburn on the road is just terrible. And now Tennessee's taking on Arkansas, so that, this is a good game. But back back to the Auburn talk, like I think that's that's a loss for them. And if they lose that game, and if we went out, like. I don't, I don't know the path for us winning the SEC uh, season title, but I, I will be rooting for Tennessee for sure. Yeah, I mean, you look at coming into the day, so the SEC standings, Auburn was in first. Um, we played them on the road. Tennessee was in third or tied for second with us. We played them on the road. We're going to play Arkansas on the road. They're fourth. We played LSU on the road. That's fifth. Out of those teams, Tennessee was the only one that came back into our building. So three of the top four teams, excluding us, we only play on the road, you know, and the fourth, we do a home and home. I mean, we didn't play Vanderbilt on the road. We didn't play Missouri on the road. Um, we didn't play Ole Miss on the road and we're not going to, you know, like we didn't play any of the bottom teams. or I think we did play Vanderbilt on the road. I misspoke. I was going to say, we did play Vanderbilt. Everyone forgets about that game. Yeah. It's but Vanderbilt. I mean, it, it's basically a home game. I think that's why I forget it. But I mean, we don't, we didn't <laughs> play enough. Missouri or Ole Miss on the road. They're the bottom two SEC teams. I mean, we don't play Georgia on the road. They're even down, they're even down there further. So that's the three bottom SEC and teams. And Auburn so struggled against Georgia. They struggled against like, all three of those on the road. They did not have a clean win insane. against any of those three teams. And they wouldn't have won yeah. if, if like, they had to play a difficult team at home. Like, they don't have to play Kentucky at home or in Kentucky's home. It's it's absurd. But um, yeah, it's, that's, it's that's enough of ranting about that. I mean, today's a great day. It was a great win for Kentucky. Um, I don't think we left out any key performances. I think we covered pretty much everyone. Um, yeah. did, what did you see from some of the guys coming off the bench? Did, did anything – wow you from like Damian Collins or Bryce Hopkins or Dante Allen or Lance Ware in short spurts? Uh, I think this, I don't want this to sound rude, but I think we saw why Dante Allen doesn't get playing time. Yeah, he immediately comes in. He then forgets to guard Keon Ellis, who dropped 28, 
who hit yeah. like four straight threes prior to that, gives up a corner three, gets yanked. And, you know, last year, everyone on Twitter was like, Dante needs to play more. Dante needs to play more. And now those same people are like, yeah, wait, he's actually, he just can't play. But there's one girl who, I think her name's Kelly. Um, oh, she's she, awful. She's terrible. She was the one that brought up the shading thing when, remember, at the South Carolina with the gritty? I think that was her she as well. She's like, control. he's not. Uh, yeah, and she was like, well, Dante can't be good because he doesn't get playing time. Well, he doesn't get playing time because he can't defend, and he can't even shoot now. What do, you, do you care about winning games, or do you care about watching kids from Kentucky play basketball for Kentucky? What do you care about? Because if we don't win, then we get you, young, you yell at Cal and all that. But if Dante doesn't play, then you still yell. You know what I mean? So I don't know, but – I, I really, really want Dante to succeed here, but he, I just I just don't see it, man. But, uh, you know, Lance provided some toughness. He was really smart mentally because he got in a little, like, scuffle with the – what was his name? Uh, the guy who hit Gary, him in the Miles. Yeah, hit him in the face. Didn't do anything. So I'm really proud of Lance, even though he only played one minute. But Bryce had a kind of calmly really good... went up to and dressed the ref and told him what happened, and they went and, yeah. went and looked at the monitor. In front of us. And gave a technical, right. which to be the obvious call but yeah and then uh bryce had a really good stretch for those two minutes and damien had six points of four minutes something about alabama four for four from the line super smooth stroke from there so um that's my biggest takeaway damien collins his last 10 free throw attempts he sank every single one i don't even know if he's hit the rim on one of them um a a weird thing that i actually read a couple years back which i think is still holding up to be true like NBA scouts, like when evaluating like a player's shooting, they say that your free throw splits in college are a better indication of how you will shoot than your three-point splits from college. Absolutely. So you would shoot great from three-pointer. I think about like Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball. They were both like 38, 40% three-point shooters in college, but both of them bricked from the free throw line, and then they get to the pros and either know how to make a three. So, I mean, mm-hmm. and not that I'm saying I want Damian Collins making three, but I mean, the fact that he's making free throws, it <laughs> means he has great memory. He has great form. And that's going to translate really well if he comes back next year. I mean, I would love to see a mid range jumper or even like a play like a stretch four, like knock down a corner three. I mean, that could be a great audition to our offense. Right. Like he did really take bad. that one jumper today, though, and it, he airballed pretty bad. But, you know, like he's he's definitely got room for improvement with his jumper and it's always looked the 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 form is there it's just now getting more reps in game of him taking jumpers and hopefully that'll be uh in, in a blowout like i don't think we're at the time of the season to test out damian collins uh jump shots but you know what i'm saying so yeah he, he it looks smooth from the line and like Ashen Hagens was a terrible three-point shooter but he was a pretty decent free throw shooter maxi same thing maxi's Three-point percentage in the NBA has gone up and up. He's and he's always been a good free throw shooter. He was he was a really good free throw shooter in college. So, um, it, I think it definitely correlates. Um, yeah. So we um kind of already moved past this point, but now I'm remembering another bring up Maxi Calipari. Actually, when asked like why did you try Kellen Grady at the point today, um, obviously on top of us not having guards, he said I think it would work because like look at what Tyrese Maxi is doing for the Sixers. I mean. Would you like to see, like, more – I don't know. I think you watch probably more NBA than me. Would you like to see, like, Kellen Grady and more sets that, like, Tyrese Maxey would run? Yeah, I mean, 
I, I do get to flex a little bit. I'm an NBA League Pass owner. So I do get to watch um, all of our cats uh, play ball. And I do like watching the Sixers a lot because I like watching Maxie's growth. And I don't see the thing. There's a big difference, though, between Grady and Maxie, in my opinion, is Maxie played a lot of point in high school at a, a South Garland. And yeah, I thought he's going to be like our starting, not a starting point guard. I actually, which is kind of so stupid of me. I thought he was coming off the bench uh, when he came here, but he's got the, the quick twitch muscles that, that every point guard has. And he makes really smart decisions with the ball. Grady is more of a, I don't know how to say it. Like, he, let's just say he doesn't have like the athleticism that, that uh, Maxi has, and I think yeah, that's fair. why why we're so good. Cal Perry's point guards are so good; is they're so fast, and so the, I wouldn't like to see like Kellen Grady like, oh yeah, no, no, he's just our backup point guard. Like, I still want Davion doing that role, but like a, a couple sets to get. I, I mean, Kellen got fucking or oh, I didn't, he Kellen got a lot of open looks where you know he had the ball in his hands, he was able to create. So maybe a couple sets to get him open while he has the ball in his hands. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I think. Calipari's logic, in my opinion, is he needs a score, a shot maker coming off the wing, you know, at the two. Mm -hmm. And obviously, when you don't have Ty Tyre Wheeler, that means it's either going to be Davian on the ball and Kellen off of it, or Kellen on the ball and Davian being the shot maker off of it. And sometimes we've seen Kellen Grady, even when he is the only option, he doesn't like to shoot, he doesn't like to create we know that Davion Mintz does not have that fear to go and create a basket for himself if he feels like he needs one, you know? So I think right. that was the logic going into the game for to have Kellen Grady create shots for Davion Mintz because we know Mintz, Mintz is a very willing shot maker. But when, once Grady got hot, I mean, that's why I think they went back to having him off the ball because he, he just couldn't miss. So coming off screens, they couldn't guard him. He was insane today. Absolutely, man. You nailed it on the hood. Yeah, but that being said, I think that's all I wanted to cover today. Any last words? And if not, where can we find your work? Uh, just overall great win. Keep it going. Uh, tie Tide Severe, if you listen to this, please get healthy. And uh, you can find my work at kycarnal.com. Uh, I just posted an article yesterday recapping the Kentucky baseball win. So congrats to the, to the baseball cats. And um, you can find my Twitter at UK. Yeah, I am at Matt Sack BBN on Twitter. You could find my work at catscoverage.com as well as the podcast. You can find it on catscoverage.com slash podcast as long as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Thank you guys very much all for listening. And as always, go cats. Go cats, guys. Just need to clear my mind.